Blackpool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at a rock spot, and on my way go. We in Bitten Airwaves. Cool! You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to the show. You're now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And once again, this is Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! somebody in G because we're live on the airways right now and we're back in a major way uh coming up around the 845 mark i got special guest she is a uh, woman of many talents she goes by the name of miss Kara. she is in the building tonight we're going to be discussing a bevy of things also we're going to be discussing drake kevin durant frank ocean and so much more but before we get to all of that you guys already know how i do man i got some stuff to get off of my chest so with that being said i think it's time to let that ish breathe let this bitch breathe. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So you guys already know I'm a basketball head. Ball is life. I subscribe to that on a daily basis. That will never change anytime soon. So for all my basketball fans, you guys are probably going to enjoy this. You may not enjoy this depending on who you like. But hey, if it offends you, it's meant to. So I was having a conversation with one of my friends on Facebook the other day. By the way, shout out to my man, Mike G. Um, and... He brought up a very good point that I never really took into consideration until now. So what I'm about to drop is a bomb the size of Hiroshima. Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Knicks are the most overrated franchise in NBA history. Now, most of you out there, some of you out there, they're probably saying, oh, no, say it ain't so, or you're just hating. No, 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 they are the most overrated basketball franchise of all time. And I'm going to break it down. I'm not just going to be talking ish because I can, because this is in front of my face. I'm going to give you guys facts. And after I give you those facts, I'll let you decide to do what you want with those facts. So let's dive into the facts. So fact number one. The New York Knicks are one of the original teams of the NBA that started in in 1946. We get that. We also get the fact that New York as a city is the mecca of basketball because so many legends and so many greats who made it into the NBA, who didn't make it into the NBA, are from New York. We're talking about guys like Pee Wee Kirkland, Lamar Odom, Stephon Marbury, you name it. So many people came out of New York, which is why it is referred to as the mecca of New York. Um, you have so many great landmarks in the city of New York, like uh, the Rucker Park, which has been known to be used for the EBC and what have you. And then Madison Square Garden has been host to some of the most impossible, or not impossible, most, one of the most unforgettable games in NBA history. We get that. But the fact that the Knicks are held in such high regard makes almost very little sense to me, mainly because of the fact that there are only two championship banners to their name. And those championships 
were back in 1970, sorry, 1970 and 1973. There has been a 40-plus year drought since their last championship. And in other times where they came close to it, it was always a case of close but no cigar. Now, don't get me wrong. NY has had so many legends or so many great and talented players or workhorses on their team. Guys like Walt Clyde Frazier. You had Patrick Ewing on the squad. Charles Oakley. Anthony Mason, RIP. Uh, you, had, you had John Starks on the team, which is one of the NBA's best six men. You had Latrell Sprewell. Allen Houston. The list goes on and on and on. And then, of course, Carmelo, whatever. But the fact of the matter is, either they were close but came up short, or they were nowhere near the big dance at all. So why are we still holding them to some high standard? Now, for me personally, if we were to talk about the Lakers, you guys already know how I feel about the Lakers. I feel like they're, they're so conceited and like their, their fraternity-like mentality is always a turnoff to me. But they have the championship hardware to back up all of that cocky talk. So I give them a pass at that very least. But the Knicks? The Knicks are like the men's Portugal soccer team. Talk so much, but can't deliver when it's finally time to deliver. And in this case, in, in today, in 2016, it's no different. Carmelo Anthony has been on the team for six years now. He's only gotten to the playoffs once with the Knicks, and they barely made it out of the first round. So my thing is this. For Knicks fans in today's present time, if you guys want to return to relevance, then you guys actually have to build up your team the original way. You can't just have Carmelo Anthony on the team collecting paychecks and then get a broke-down Derrick Rose, who is a foreign shell of himself, and then Joe Kim Noah, who's airballing it from 10 feet. You need to build around your future star piece, which I believe is Kristaps Porzingis. That guy is the mold of what today's big man in the NBA is supposed to be centered around. If you guys can build a team around him, where he's getting most of the shot opportunities, and he's carrying the team, and he's facilitating the offense to a certain degree, and he's making everyone around him better, then we can talk about the Knicks at least being a team on the rise. But right now, they look like a team that's trying to hop on the gravy chain, trying to ride along the memories of what used to be Derrick Rose, of the scoring threat that Carmelo Anthony supposedly is, but so far, we're not really seeing that. We're still seeing them perform under 500, and it's still not going anywhere. And the fact that they even called themselves a super team before the season started just proves my point that they still are overrated. So to all you Knicks fans out there, do yourselves a favor and humble yourselves. Because in my personal opinion, if you are a team, if you're rooting for a team that is under 500 and you're calling them one of the best teams out there and no team can handle them, Stop this. Just, just, just stop watching basketball. You are not allowed to watch basketball. You're not even allowed to gloat towards another team if your team is under 500. Stop this. But ladies and gentlemen, what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know your thoughts. Positive or negative is always welcome, and I will be prepared to defend myself if I do have any Knicks fans out there listening right now. I'm looking into the camera, talking right in front of the microphone. You know who you people are. Come at me. But on that note, back to a happier note, I have Miss Kara in the building, and she's about to put a smile on my face and get me away from my angry Nick moment. But nonetheless, before we get to her, we got to get to another commercial break. And this one is a new joint from my man, Childish Gambino. He's got a new album coming out December 2nd, and I cannot wait until it drops. This joint right here is called Redbone. It'll be right back after these messages. Yeah.
You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Yes, you are indeed. Welcome back, my cool cancer, cool kittens. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And we are back with Cool Radio. As promised, we have a guest for tonight. Now, this lovely young lady is busy with everything and then some. She got more jobs than a Jamaican, ladies and gentlemen. And she. There you go. See, there you go. That explains everything. Ladies and gentlemen, she is a host. She is a social media coordinator. She is basically a publicist, and she also does a lot of performance-based work as well. We basically have the jack-of-all-trades and the master of all of them, basically, in the building right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the lovely and talented Miss Care in the building. Thank you for stopping by. You know, I know you are a woman with many talents, literally, and you are just all over the place. So I appreciate you making the time to come through the max. No problem. All right. So we got to talk. Before we talk, I want you to come in just a little bit closer, closer, just so the people can hear that voice of yours. There you go. There you go. Just sliding. (laughs) So we got to we got to talk, man. We got to talk. You, like I just said, you have so much that you're dabbling into. So, like, what made you decide to get into so many things at once, and why? Oh my goodness. Um, I think that I've always said that I have life ADD. (laughs) And I've always been really blessed to be one of those people that I pick things up really, really quickly. Yes. So, you know, when something gets boring, then I find the next thing that will catch me and that will give me a little bit of a challenge Mm -hmm. so that I can try a ting and see what happens. that saying, Ugh, the jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. I like to say that I'm a master of some, but I'm all about the remix. So I like to call myself a care of all crafts. Uh, ooh, <laughs> I like that. The care of all. Hold on. You got to get one of these right here. <laughs> there you go. The yes. care of all crafts. But yeah, um, how did I get into doing so many different things? I think it really stemmed from my desire and my need to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been really self-sufficient myself, mm-hmm. and I always found that a lot of people came to me when they needed stuff, yeah. and especially when it's you know down to the bottom of the ninth yeah. and they got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Care is the problem solver. Yes. So that always kind of forced me to... Either if I can't find somebody else to do it, then I gotta learn to do it myself, and I gotta learn to do it well. Yes. So here I am today. <laughs> Absolutely. So you lo- you do a lot of stuff like on the scenes. We lo- you do a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. Yes. So what do you enjoy more between the two? If you had to pick. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think on any day today, it really depends on maybe my mood. Okay. But um, there is a quote, and I'm probably gonna misquote it, but it's something along the lines of there are people who influence the masses, yes. and then there's always those people behind the people who influence the masses. Mm-hmm. And to me, I really take a lot of value in being that person behind the person who influences the masses. Okay. Um, influence is a really powerful thing. Absolutely. But I believe that there are so many things that can be done with it. Mm-hmm that can help the greater population. I agree. And that's what I'm here on this world to do, is help the greater population. <laughs> so you're basically a superhero is what you're trying to tell yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not Wonder Woman. You know, I do things that make people wonder. <laughs> uh, it's, there you go. You're, you're just making me wonder how many more talents you got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll pick up a few more before I, I retire off this earth, but I'm pretty content with where I'm at right now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to focus. Yes. And... Uh, 
the, the areas that I, I guess I'm channeling in most right now, mm -hmm. I do voice work okay. and the hosting yes. and uh, a lot of brand optimization and development. Mm -hmm. That's been taking up a lot of my time lately. Yes, as we've discussed before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the hosting then, actually. Yeah, hosting. Yeah. So what made you decide to grab a mic and talk in front of a large mass of people? What, what, what brings you to do that? Oh, gosh. You know what? I was born a performer. Okay. Well, I was that kid that was always putting on some kind of a show, singing or dancing around. And um, as I grew up, I was part of this uh, Caribbean cultural club in Oshawa, actually, yes. called Club Carib. The schwa. The schwa. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up dancing there. And they always had this thing called Fiesta Week, which is a week of just you know, cultural showcasing around the city of Oshawa. Yes. So what happened was I actually ended up um, taking – taking part in the show above and beyond being a dancer, but hosting it because, okay. again, bottom of the night, it's, the show's about to start, and yeah. whoever was supposed to host it that night wasn't available or they just didn't show up. I can't remember which. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, hey, I can do it. I'm not shy. Yeah. So I did. It went really well, and, you know, people just wanted more. So who am I to say no? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Hard to be humble when you're starting on the Jumbotron. Right? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I picked up the mic, and it's kind of been history since then. Um, everything just kind of snowballed. Yeah. You know, I started doing bigger shows, dance shows. People started reaching out to me to do some, um, not not web series, but I did get asked to do uh, hosting for smaller series on YouTube. Okay. Um, as well as you know, I've done a couple of award shows. It just yeah, it just kind of bubbled. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. Like, I really enjoy it. Um, from the hosting, I graduated I graduated <laughs> I, into doing the voice work. And that kind of was an unexpected turn for me. Okay. Um, you know when cell phones started, you know, bringing in the apps like WhatsApp and yeah. the other apps that allow us to do the voice notes? Yes. From the voice notes, I got lazy, too lazy to type. So I started sending everybody voice notes. And yeah. a lot of things that I was getting back from the people that I was speaking to was that, oh, my God, I love your voice. Yeah. You should do commercials. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you do commercials. Yeah. That's weird. No, I can't do that. Yeah. And then uh, one day I actually met a ad agent and he was looking for a voice. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I can try. Yeah. And I sent him a voice note. He loved it. And mm -hmm. Here I am today. The rest doing is more. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Yeah. So, Brady, just maximizing all the opportunities that have been like, presented your way, essentially. Absolutely. You kind of have to. You do, yeah. Otherwise, you just get stuck, and it, stuck is boring. Yeah, stuck stuff. So, you get stagnant, and then you just don't even know what to do with yourself at that point. Exactly. And I'm a firm believer in learning and always developing yourself. So, mm -hmm. I try to do that as much as I possibly can, but I also encourage others to do the same. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to like, whether it's hosting or voice work, did you get nervous doing your first ever gig? Um, I think with anything new, there's always some level of nerves involved. Yes. Um, but in all of the, I do a lot of personal development as well. And one thing that I've definitely learned is when that moment of anxiety catches on, yeah. you have to remember that it's not about you. Uh -huh. Very humbling experience to go through that kind of thought process. But when you realize that whether you're hosting a show or you're doing public speaking, anything that involves, <clears throat> excuse me, anything that involves um, other people mm -hmm. and a general population, you have to remember that the message that you're there to deliver, it's for them. Yeah. And it's to bring them value. So 
it's really not about you or how you're going to deliver it or what you're going to say. It's about the impact that it has. Absolutely. So that's kind of like the little trick that I use to get the butterflies exactly. to fly away. <laughs> you know, well, that, it's, it's funny you brought that up because I remember somebody kind of asked me a similar question a few years back, like back when I was in high school, because that's when I've been doing performing and all that stuff. And like my mentality at that time, which I still carry with me to this day, is, you know, I was brought up there for a reason. Like they were, I was asked to do something to do in front of a large mass of people. So why not just go out there and do it? You know, Absolutely. get the just a way for me to get the nerves out. Because yeah. I never really got nervous. I got anxious, but the anxious would kind of like it may interrupt. You know, because you may be so excited that like you may not you know articulate a word properly, or whatever. Yeah. So you just kind of have to find your center of calmness in a sense, and just kind of remember why you're up there and just. Be the master of that ceremony, basically. Yes, absolutely. Like with everything, each time that you step behind the mic or on the stage, you yeah. literally, exactly as you say, you have to master the moment. Exactly. I like that. The center of peace and exactly. <laughs> I just watched Doctor Strange, so I got my uh, chakra on. You know, <laughs> it's fantastic. Right. <laughs> so let's keep the things going now. Okay. So, what's your favorite type of voiceover job to do? Ooh, I love doing DJ drops. Okay. DJ drops and, um, like, radio promos. Yeah. Because I find that they're always looking for this kind of... The sexy voice, yeah, right? The yeah, sexy, the sassy. <laughs> and I think I'm really good at it. <laughs> Plus, it's fun to embody something different that you don't generally embody on a yeah. daily basis. So you're almost playing, like, a character, basically. Exactly. Yeah. There's that transformation element that happens. And um, for me, it's like most people see me and they just yeah. see this little girl, you know. I'm not a little girl, but <laughs> I look pretty young. I look pretty innocent. Yeah. So Black don't crack. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when it's time to execute and to perform, and yeah. we just flick that switch, it's yeah. kind of like, oh. There's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was expect. okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, that's it's definitely it's definitely fun to do, especially like when you're out of your comfort zone, so to speak, yes. and then you're just kind of stepping into another world, mm -hmm. and, sorry, another role, and then you're just kind of figuring out that there's more layers to yourself than people would, would even expect. Absolutely, and I think through everything that I do as well, I I learn so much about myself and mm -hmm. about my capabilities because I'm always trying to push my boundaries through these opportunities that I get, mm -hmm. but. I don't know, with the DJ drops and the commercials and stuff, there's something really cool about turning on the radio and then you're hearing your voice. Yeah. But there's so many times that that happens and I don't realize that it's actually me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool thing to experience. Absolutely. So of all the talents that you have mastered and the ones that you're even discovering, yes. if there's one that you had to rely on for, you know, personal sustenance and income and all of that, Ooh. and the others you just do for fun, what would that one talent be? I think that that one talent would probably be my ability to bring out the best in people. Okay. So that would go into like the brand development kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because I don't know, I just have this this way of seeing things inside of people that yeah. a lot of the times they don't really see themselves. Yeah. And to be able to go through that process with someone and see them discover the aspects of themselves that either they've never seen previously or they've never um, shared with other people openly. Mm -hmm. It's a really incredible experience for me. And I think that through that, I'll be able to have the most impact on the world around me like immediately mm -hmm. and then the greater scope of things. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're basically a Jedi master is what you're trying to tell me. Something so. <laughs> Something so. <laughs> you're the Obi-Wan to someone's Luke Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
care. We are going to get into so much more, but before we do all that, it's time to play some games around here. Ooh, I love games. We like to play games <laughs> at Cool Radio, and you will be no exception to that rule. So on that note, it is time for an edition of Cool or Uncool. Ooh. There we go. So we got to play some old school hip hop in the background. This is from a track uh, from Digable Planets. Okay. Entitled Cool Like That. So, you know, it's only right that you play on a cool radio for this game and what have you. <laughs> so, on this game, I'm going to throw some scenarios to you. Okay. And you're going to let me know if it's cool or uncool. And feel free to elaborate on why you think it is cool or uncool. So, on that note, uh, let's get started, shall we? So, the first topic that we have, and this one, you know, may be easy, may not be easy, but nonetheless, let's get into it. Um, hosting. Nightclubs, cool or uncool? For me? Yeah. I'd not. Okay. Yeah, I think as much as I enjoy the club environment, yeah. I don't think I've got that club presence that really impacts mm-hmm. on the mic and the Okay. You know, you need there's a certain power yeah. that you have to command. And um, as much as I love my voice, I don't So, yeah. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I feel like with, with that type of your voice has to master that that crowd, especially because it's very rowdy, sometimes hostile crowd because everyone's drunk and belligerent half the time. So you gotta make sure that you have that that presence that says, "Hey, settle down, all right? I'm yeah. talking." Not just that, but there, there's a certain level of music knowledge that comes along with it. True. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You gotta be in your element. <laughs> so let's keep it moving. Uh, oh, this is gonna be easy for you. Carabana, cool or uncool? Absolutely cool. All right, all right. Coolest of the cool. Right, right. Can't get mad at that. <laughs> Donald Trump, cool or uncool? You really want me to answer that? Of course, of course. Uncool, not cool. All right. Uh, Netflix and chill, cool or uncool? How about, how about your version of it? The typical version of Netflix and, and chill, I'd say not cool. Okay. I am a hopeful romantic. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right, I can get with that. So how about oh, okay? Uh, that last slice of pizza, cool or cool? How long has it been sitting in the fridge? Um, or is it a fresh pizza? Like like a fresh one. A fresh one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was a I, tough one. I was expecting it is, this. It is a tough one. I would be the person that would be like, so y'all gonna eat that? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd be that guy too. Like. I would ask first. Though. Okay, well, you're brave. I, I wanna eat. <laughs> <laughs> No, it depends on the situation for me, but but what, what? You yeah. know what? I'd say it, it could be cool. Okay, it could be cool. All right. Um, the mannequin challenge, cool or uncool? It's very cool. Okay. When it's done well. When it's done well. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um, are you aware of the you name it challenge? You name. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Cool or uncool? Yeah, 
That's cool. Oh, good. That's making jokes for All right. Um, the Toronto Raptors, cool or uncool? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. And then, how about Christmas? Gotta pace it, gotta pace it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now time for another game. This one is my personal favorite game because it's been on the show for quite some time. And it's a favorite amongst many people as well. This one is entitled I'd Quit the Game. Every second, every minute, man, I swear that she can get it. All right. So, in an alternate universe, Miss Care, uh, you are the eligible bachelorette. Yes. You are wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, jet flying, limousine (laughs) riding, all that good stuff. All right. However, there comes a point in everyone's life where they've got to quit the game. They got to settle down, have the children, settle in the White House with the nice white picket fence, Uh tire swing, apple pie cooling on the windowsill, all that good stuff. (laughs) Love it. So, Mm -hmm. if you had to quit the game for one of these two gentlemen that I've handpicked. Oh, my God. Ready for this? You you better be ready for this. <laughs> Who would you quit the game for? Would you quit the game for rapper Common, or would you quit the game for LL Cool J? Oh, the choice is yours. Okay, this is a tricky one because I feel like there's some perspiration happening right now. Oh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Hip hop is not my forte. Okay. So when it comes to their actual music, again, yeah. I probably know some songs, yeah. but mm, offhand, I couldn't bring any to mind. It's okay. But uh, I would say, oh my God, this is such a difficult decision. It really is, isn't it? It's like a tail of two pods, yeah, really, because it's completely it's... different. Okay. I'm just gonna bite the bullet, and I'm gonna say I would quit the game for Common. Okay, I had a feeling you picked Common. Well, well, why do you choose Common though? I choose Common because I don't know. There's something about him that intrigues me a little bit. Okay. You know, he's. I mean, let's be honest. He's sexy. He's a good-looking dude. He's a good-looking <laughs> dude. Can't even front on that. And um, yeah, you know what? I've seen him in some movies. I think he's a good actor. Yeah. L's been around the block a little bit too, but. <laughs> I don't for some reason, I feel like LL is a little bit of a playboy. Well, that's how he's been marketed as, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're going off of that, I mean, I don't need no LL running off on me. Yeah. Not the f- about that tabloid life. The funny thing is, though, LL, he's been, in, he's been married for a number of years now, actually. Really? He has. Yeah, I think well over 10 years. I know that for sure. I think maybe since the, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, he's been married. I think he has about three kids or something like that. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. You see, again, I'm out of the loop. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> and then like with Common, like he's been around with like different women here and there, what have you. So no I, I think he has a daughter. He has a daughter, but he's not married right now. Okay. So, but yeah, He was it, with Erica Badu, right? He was. He was with Erica Badu. Okay. He was with Serena Williams. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. He was, yes. That's, that's, that's one powerful woman right there. <laughs> yeah. In more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he's uh, they, he's had his fair share of women here and there. So, yeah, that kind of adds to the, the sex appeal of a common, I would say. Huh. So, good answer. Good answer. It's funny how that works, eh? I know, right? Like, you wouldn't expect common to be the one who kind of dates around and yeah. the LL be, you know, the, the right. marriage type, right? But that goes to show when it comes to theater and arts, you know, you, you can't. can't judge a book by its you cover. really can't. 
You really can't. Ladies and gentlemen, I got Miss Karen in the building. And when we get back, we have Trip Talk. You already know what that is. Three topics in three minutes. But before we go to that, we got to get to my man Taz Nada featuring Rich Kid and Tona with Let's Go. Only on Cool Radio. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. You're damn right. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Uh, it is your man, GM Cool, and my microphone almost attacked me. Uh, it is Cool Radio. I still got the lovely and talented Miss Karen in the building. Hey, hey. Does anyone ever say to you, Miss Carrie, baby? Yes, all the time. <laughs> all the time, eh? <laughs> I don't know how old Carrie Hilson is, but she's jacking my swag. I know, right? You better, better holler at her about that. Jeez. <laughs> but nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, we're back on the waves right now as I'm trying to adjust my mic. And it is right about time for Trip Talks. That's three topics of three minutes. I dish out the topics. We discuss it. So on that note, here we go. So, Frank Ocean made headlines uh, this week because he stated that he will be protesting the Grammys until further notice. Now, when he was discussing this, uh, he basically issued out his reasons as to why he wanted to boycott the Grammys. And he said this, and I quote, I think the infrastructure of the awarding system and the nomination system and screening system is dated. I'd rather... This be my Colin Kaepernick moment for the Grammys than sit here in the audience. Um, And then he also went on to say, this institution certainly has nostalgic importance. It just doesn't seem to be representing very well for people who come from where I come from and hold down what I hold down. Um, So he basically went on to state that the only black artists who have won the album of the year category are Quincy Jones, Herbie Hancock, and Ray Charles. So I find this very interesting coming from Frank Ocean because on his debut, his mainstream debut album, Channel Orange, garnered a ton, a ton of nominations, including album of the year and record of the year, which he lost out to. But nonetheless, it was widely recognized as one of the best albums overall of the year. Uh, And then he also mentioned to say that this was his Colin Kaepernick moment. So for those who are not familiar, if you're not familiar, yeah, so Colin Kaepernick is a player who plays in the NFL, and he made headlines back in the summertime when he decided to kneel or sit down whenever the national anthem was playing. And he basically issued out his reasons for that being that he feels as though um, this nation treats its minorities a very poor way. That's not indicative of what our rights and freedoms are supposed to mean. He just went on to say how... uh, Police officers are wrongfully attacking uh, on our black individuals and they're getting paid leave for assaulting them. So he's basically uh, stating that him uh, leaving he's or taking the kneel. he's taking the kneel, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, based on all this information, like, what's your take on this? Um, I wonder why now? Yeah. And also, what does he really, I guess, expect him taking his boycott will Im- impact? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your mic is really a I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I wonder, is he teaming together with some other celebrities to do Mm -hmm. the same thing? Are you, like, who are you talking to about this? And what else are you going to do if you don't get the reaction that you hope from this? Exactly. You know? Yeah, I I agree with that. It's funny you say that because a lot of people were kind of equating that to Colin Kaepernick and, like, what do you expect to do about this going forward if things don't change? Uh, Sticking with Ocean for a moment, though, um, I think what kind of led to this is that he's kind of had a seesaw affair with with his former label, Def Jam Records, and he left that label recently and he he actually bought himself out of his contract so he came out with an album earlier this year on apple music and other streaming platforms and then he also came out with a visual album as well so i think he's just sticking with the independent route so i think that kind of influences the decision to stay away from the grammys because the grammys kind of represents that institutional mainstream outlet so to speak um but 
So do you think, does ego play a part in this at all? It, ego always plays a part. It <laughs> always is. Whether it's minute or it's obtuse, it's always going to play a part in it somehow. Like, he probably does have an ego about it. He's a very talented artist, and I won't take that away from him. Yeah. But I'm sure ego probably plays a role in it. Maybe he's a bit salty that he didn't he win didn't the Grammy win. and all that stuff. So who knows? That could that could be his part. I just don't think that using Colin Kaepernick would be the best example of that, right. mainly because of the fact that Kaepernick went on to say uh, during the election time that he didn't he didn't vote. So it kind of made him look like a hypocrite because he took that political stance by kneeling and then answering questions about it right. and just kind of going through this like Afrocentric phase in a sense. And then for him to say he didn't exercise his right to vote. Yeah, he kind of bowed out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of made him look like a hypocrite. So him saying he wants to take the Colin Kaepernick approach wouldn't really be the best thing to say, I would say, in my opinion at least. Mm-hmm. I get what he's trying to say. Right. But the but- if we know how that ended, which most of us <laughs> do by now, then you would know that that's not really the best example you want to use. <laughs> but hasn't um, didn't we just go through something like this with uh, African American people boycotting an award show? I can't remember. It which was one the it Oscars. Was. The, o- the Oscars. The Oscars so white hashtag. Right. Yeah, yes, that was it. Yeah. What ever came of that? So here's the thing: it, nothing huge came out of that. Um, Chris Rock was scheduled to host that that award right, show, which he that. did, yeah. and he did a good job of it. I think he uh, did a satirical play of the whole Oscar so white mm-hmm. uh, hashtag and what have you. Um, but I'm not sure if going forward that's going to change anything. I know one of the board of directors for the Oscars is an African-American individual, so I'm not sure what she's going to implement in order right, to... To compensate for all of that. Exactly. Because I, I do understand a lot of frustration with with, uh, with black people in America, whether it be the actors, the directors, or the people who pay to see these movies. There's right. been so many great performances over the years and what have you, and the for fact sure. that none of them were nominated in last year's ordeal was... You know, it's just it kind of makes you scratch your head, right? I mean, there was so much talented stuff that came out, whether it was like on screen stuff, the behind the scenes stuff, yep. like the writing, for example, for Shred at Compton was some of the best writing that we've seen in film that year in particular. Um, and then what else? There's so many. There's so many so examples many. That you can use. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what Frank Ocean hopes to accomplish out of this. Maybe this is just for his own personal game. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if he's trying to spark a movement, <laughs> but only time will tell. Yeah, that's it. Like I don't even know. What what's gonna come out of this? But ladies and gentlemen, listening at home, what do you guys think? Watching at home later on, uh, hit me up on Twitter at dm underscore cool and let me know your thoughts. So second topic on uh, trip talk. Ah, I want to talk about this. Okay, so <laughs> this going back to basketball and kind of crossing over into into music as well. Okay. So Drake. Uh, did his annual Drake night uh, for the Toronto Raptors last night. Okay. Or sorry, not last night. It was uh, Wednesday night when they played the Golden State Warriors, which is like one of the more popular teams in the league. Um, and Kevin Durant, their latest signee, who's also one of the top three players in the league right now, um, they have somewhat of like a somewhat of a friendship, I guess you could call it. Uh, basically, Drake was trying to court uh, Kevin Durant to come to Toronto okay. when uh, his uh, contract is up. So a lot of people were making rumors, oh, he might come to play Toronto, da, 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 right. da, whatever. At the end of the day, he chose to play with the Golden State Warriors, which brought on a lot of criticism for all the right and wrong reasons. But nonetheless, um, they came to Toronto to play against the Raptors. And basically what happened at the end of the game was a little awkward. So basically, 
Kevin Durant is doing his post game interview with one of the reporters. Whatever, he's like, yeah. yeah, we played a good game. Uh, you know, it was uh, really tooth and nail, like the typical stuff. The usual. Yeah, <laughs> and then Drake came by and kind of gives him like a little nudge on the shoulder or whatever as he's walking by. You know, as a little bit of gamesmanship, so to speak. Okay. And I don't think I personally don't think Drake meant anything malicious of it, but you know, just a little bit of a playful action. But then when that happened, Katie gave him the biggest stare death of all time. It was just like he literally paused for about two and a half seconds just to give him cut eye. And then after that, you know, he, he continued on with his little speech, whatever. And then the reporter asked him, what do you think of Drake Knight and like how it gets all the fans together? What's your opinion on it? Katie literally said this and I quote, man, I don't give a damn about no Drake Knight. Oh and then he God. walked away. So that's how he ended the interview. That's how he ended the oh. interview. <laughs> Indeed. So based on that, you know, did KD take things a little too far by ending the interview on that note? Do you think Drake's, you know, shoulder thing was malicious based on what you see from Drake? What's your take on that? I mean, to be honest, I don't pay too much mind to Drake. Yeah, Sorry, okay. Drake. Um, <laughs> but let's say that it was a little bit malicious. You know, Drake's feelings were hurt, so he was just giving, a, giving him a little nudge. Yeah. But if that were the case... That's a little childish. Okay. And the way that Katie reacted, that's a little childish too. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're in the middle of an interview. That interview has nothing to do with Drake. Granted, she mm -hmm. asked him about him. Yeah. But still, like, can you focus? Yeah. Don't throw a, a hissy fit and then storm off because, you know, your friend didn't want to play with you in the park or whatever yeah. you're upset about. <laughs> like, come on, man up. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll, I'll take it from, from, from here. Uh, I would say when it comes to Drake... Drake is the biggest celebrity sports fan right now. Like, if he's not cheering for the Raptors, he's cheering for a college basketball game. Okay. Like, he's just, he loves to be, be around athletes. That's the thing. Like, him and, like, LeBron James are like this, basically, okay. and all that stuff. So, him kind of giving that nudge to KD, I didn't take anything from it personally because I know Drake is the kind of guy that likes to play around a little bit when it gotcha. comes to his little athlete friends and all that stuff. Right. With KD, KD over the last few years, he's how he's had this edge about himself basically because he doesn't really talk a lot okay. and he's very timid. So because of that, people think that he's like a pushover, like he's gotten that criticism. Okay. So over the last few years, he's kind of been mouthing off a little bit here and there at certain people, and I think he kind of took that opportunity to show that that bad boy edge, so to right. speak. So I think KD in that sense was kind of taking himself a little too seriously. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was necessary. It was hilarious. Like, it made for a good soundbite. It was hilarious. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think it was all that necessary. Like, right. it's it's not that serious. It <laughs> and at the end of the day, bigger picture, you won the game. Like, keep exactly. it going now. You know, on Drake night. So. Exactly. On Drake night. There you go. To add more insult that, to injury. That's your back right there. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think about that? Did you think that the, the nudge was too much or did Katie take it too far? Once again, hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. And finally on Trip Talk. Now, this one kind of deals with, with basketball as well, but nonetheless, it kind of deals with a broader issue as well. Okay. So uh, the Knicks owner, Phil Jackson, who's also one of the greatest 
basketball coaches of all time. He coached Michael Jordan. He coached Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, big names like that. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, he was in an interview. Uh, I can't remember which publication it was. But Phil has always been known as being very outspoken about a lot of things. And he's even been outspoken about a lot of social issues that happen within the black community, especially because he has been around many black people, of course, being a coach in the NBA and what have you, being a former player in the NBA at that. Uh, but he was asked about... Uh, I think it was it had something to do with LeBron James, obviously, because he brought his name up. Uh, but I think it led into LeBron James. But nonetheless, he was talking about when LeBron James um, was taking a trip to Cleveland, because that's where he's uh, natural. Well, he's from Akron, Ohio, which is close to Cleveland. Okay. Uh, but this is during when Miami, uh, when uh, LeBron was playing with the Miami Heat, so about three or four years ago, roughly. And basically, he he wanted the plane to he wanted the team, the entire team that he was with, to stay in Cleveland for an extra night because he wants to celebrate Christmas dinner with them, basically. Oh. So LeBron is that very oh, welcoming nice. individual yeah. in a sense. So Phil was commenting on that, and basically he was saying how you can't let the players you know, hold the organization hostage like that. And then he also went on to say that you can't just go on calling the shots because you want you and your posse to hang out you know, for an, an extra night in Cleveland. Now... Word got around. I'm loving that you're giving me that look right now because a lot of people had that look on their face when this came out. But word got out to LeBron James that he made those comments. So LeBron James stated how, you know, even though he has a tre tremendous amount of respect for Phil Jackson, mm -hmm. he felt that comment uh, was very uncalled for, especially using the term posse to define his inner circle. And then he wanted to discuss how his two business partners um, – uh, Rich Rich Paul and Maverick Carter have done very well for themselves to establish themselves in their in their field. Right. Maverick Carter is a gentleman who was able to negotiate the one billion dollar deal that that LeBron signed with Nike, oh. and then on top of that, Rich Paul is one of the NBA's most well known uh, agents who represents LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and a few other big name players, and also up and coming players as well. So they've established their own fronts, and so he felt that him using the term posse to define them was not only, you know, disrespectful, but he also found it a tad bit racist as well. And because of that, yeah. he said how he has no more respect for Phil Jackson other than him being a basketball mind. Right. So with that being said, <laughs> what is your take on that? Oh, my goodness. Um, I would agree with LeBron. Uh, well, you saw my reaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Posse, how dare he? <laughs> you know, especially around the holiday season, I mean, there has to be some more humanity that goes into stuff like that. You yeah. know what I mean? And especially when it comes to a team environment, I think it's really important to be able to not only build and develop on the camaraderie, but maintain yes. it. Uh, absolutely. You know, it can't be all business all the time. Yeah. Because that's when tensions and frustrations build up and mm -hmm. things start breaking down. So, I mean, Posse... All that, I agree. It's disrespectful. Yeah. You know? I'll, I'll say this. Like, when I first heard the comments, like, racism and, ironically enough, coming from me, that was the last thing I heard, like, or the last thing that, like, that came into my mind. Yeah. Maybe because posse is such an old-school term to right. me. You know what I mean? It's so antiquated. Like, when I think of posse, I'm thinking of, like, the wild, wild west <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the, sh the gun showdown and everything like that, right? <laughs> And, like, I'm thinking of, like, just, you know, a crew of people and what have you. But then posse could also have a negative connotation because posse could mean gang or something like exactly. that, right? And so 
the word posse towards black people can often be used in that negative connotation as well. Mm-hmm. And then, so I understand where LeBron James is coming from, the fact that he has a group of people around him who are actually working and building on their own stuff. Exactly. They're not just hangarounds or tagalongs. Yeah, they have purpose. Exactly. <laughs> They're not like, yo, go fetch me my weed or or like, get some women in here or something yeah. like that. They're, they actually have a role and they're living up to that role. So I feel like... Went with, from LeBron's standpoint, I think he's justified in in feeling that he was disrespected in that way. Absolutely. I don't think it's racist because Jackson's never had a track record of racism. If this was like Donald Trump, then okay, that's a completely different story. But <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it was just Phil Jackson just kind of mouthing off where he didn't need to mouth off. Yeah. I feel like if he is so concerned about you know players taking liberties, so to speak, then you can easily say the same about when he was. Uh, around Michael Jordan back in the day, because people, a lot of people outside of basketball don't know that Michael Jordan has a huge gambling addiction, right? Really? So how come you weren't telling him about keep your posse away when you guys were hitting, you know, Vegas and casinos or whatever? Yeah. Dennis Rodman, who was like one of the biggest personalities the NBA has ever seen, got into so much obscene stuff off the court. So yeah. where were you and your posse talks, you know, around those yeah. individuals, right? So it's just like keep your affairs towards your own team in that regard. Mm-hmm. I was going to give him the wankster for this, but it wasn't strong enough. You know what I mean? So I think this is just a case of Phil Jackson needing to mind his own business. What he needs to worry about is, is making sure. There you go. <laughs> and you know who his team is? The New York Knicks. Oh. Get you some that right with that team, baby. Mm, shots fired. <laughs> I know. Pow, pow. <laughs> well, let me give myself a cool job for that. It deserves that. Ooh. There you go. Okay. <laughs> But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, what do you guys think about that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Flashback Friday track of the day. So that being said, it's time to get old school. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Make sure you let us know what track you want to hear for the th- for the flashback Friday track of the day. Now, this one, we're not going too far back in time. We're, we're staying within the decade, actually, within a decade's time. And this track right here maybe not be the most celebrated track within the annals of hip-hop, but it's definitely one of my favorites because it has so much to do with hip-hop. And it's from one of my favorite artists I've ever listened to. This one's coming from my man, Lupe Fiasco. All right? And this one came from his second album and my personal favorite album, which kind of inspired, you know, the word cool to be within my brand. This album was entitled entitled The Cool. So with that being said, we were about to play, I believe it was track nine off of that album, which is entitled Hip Hop Saved My Life. So with that being said, we're going to play that right now and we'll have the Wanks of the Week coming up. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. You're listening to Maximum FM Hip Hop. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. I still got the lovely and talented Miss Karen in the building. We in here. Exactly. And we ain't got a care in the world. Hey, I see what you did there. I, I said, yeah, you know, you know, I got a little so-so, you know, wordplay. But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the main event. Yeah. Who has been entered into the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Mm-mm. Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind before we get into today's wankster that we are doing our cool radio year-end special, the fourth annual edition of that. That will be coming up later in December. And if you have been paying attention to my Facebook feed in particular, we have been counting down the top wanksters of the year from January up until now. I just posted the one for March, so make sure you go comment on that and let me know who you thought was the wankster, the top wankster for March. We're going to keep it going up until December 16th is where I'm marking our dates for the year-end special. So make sure you keep it locked for that. But nonetheless, it's time to get into the tonight's wankster of the week, nonetheless. Ladies and gentlemen, this gentleman is no stranger to the annals of wankster Wanksterism, as I like to call it. He is a repeat offender and an apologetic, unapologetic one at that. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wankster of the Week goes over, goes over to none other than Mr. Kardashian himself, Kanye West. <laughs> now. What did he do now? <laughs> right? Jeez, what hasn't he done? Oh I think this is probably like the fifth or the sixth time I've given him the Wankster. I can't remember. I've lost count. If you get the Wankster more than three times, I lose count. But nonetheless, he got the Wankster because... He was in a concert, and he did two things. So, first and foremost, he said that if he had voted, he would have voted for Trump, which I'm not surprised at. But the second thing that he said, which made me want to give him the wankster, is that he said black people need to stop worrying about racism. What? Now, right, right. Now, let me get into how all of this started. So, he was on his St. Pablo tour, and he stopped at the SAP Center in San Jose for the tour. So, he's performing his set, and then he basically opened up with yet another long-winded rant-slash-speech-slash-diatribe of whatever, a soliloquy of sorts. And then he stated that had he voted, it would have been for Trump. So, he said this during his speech, and I quote, I told you all I didn't vote, right? But if I would have voted... I would have voted for Trump. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, he met a a, uh, a combination of cheers and jeers. So people were kind of booing him when he said that, but then people were just kind of like, I think I should be clapping for this. I don't know. So he said that. And him saying that doesn't surprise me because a lot of black celebrities tend to vote on the right wing side of things because they want to pay less in taxes, so whatever. I'm not going to give him the wankster for that. I'm mainly giving him the wankster because after he said that he would have voted for Trump if he had voted, he basically said that, and I can't remember exactly what he said because there's no quote for me to read off of, but he basically said how black people need to stop worrying about racism. And this is my thing right here. And going back to my point about rich black people in America... I feel like the moment some black people, not all, but some black people, the moment they get rich and they're, in, and they're in America, they forget about racism. They forget it even exists because they feel as though now that they're in a higher tax bracket, that money makes everything all right for them. People start treating them differently. They treat them better more because of the value that they bring rather than the person that they are. And some black people who are rich, they don't understand that. And Kanye West is obviously no exception to that. Racism is not something that you can just simply forget, especially when you live in America, because the fact of the matter is America was founded on racism. It's one of the basic principles of racism. When black people are getting shot at an all-time rate, like it's the Hunger Games or the Purge, and it's usually the powers that be that are doing it towards black people, 
you can't help but think that racism has a part to play in it, which is obviously the case. And it's disappointing to hear from Kanye West because of the fact that Kanye is from Chicago, a city that is riddled in controversy when it comes to gun violence, especially with the way that their police officers treat black individuals because of the preconceived notion of what they might be affiliated with. Now, this is also disappointing from, to hear from Kanye West because Kanye has been so politically enamored in a lot of his uh, content way back ever since the college dropout. We all remember that emphatic and inspirational punchline when the man said in a live telecast beside a distraught Michael Myers, George Bush don't care about black people. Where is that Kanye? That Kanye has been on the side of a milk carton for at least four years now, basically. And we don't have that Kanye anymore, and I don't think we're ever going to get that Kanye. So to him to say that black people should stop worrying about racism, here's the thing. How about some white people, not all, but some, stop committing acts of racism, then maybe, maybe black people might, might turn a blind eye to it. And that is just a huge, huge might and a maybe altogether in one. At the end of the day, you can't tell the people who are oppressed to forget about the oppression. You need to tell the oppressors to stop the oppression so the oppressed can put the oppression behind them. Amen. That's what needs to happen. And until you recognize that, Mr. Kardashian, you are once again getting this wankster. Do you deserve it? Yes, you do. <laughs> and I'm going to drop it on you one more time. For all the Kanye fans, for all the former Kanye fans, and for all the Kardashian fans, just like this. Miss Care, your take on the matter, please. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, honestly, I don't know. That's, whew, forget about racism for real? I mean, <sighs> as you said, the, the mill carton. But I'm curious, what came first, the carton or the Kardashian? That's what I want to know as well. <laughs> Hold on, you got a cool job for I don't know, man. Maybe if, uh, as you say, like all those African American celebrities that have also conveniently forgotten about racism mm -hmm. since they came into a little bit of money, maybe if they shared the wealth, right. it would ease the wounds a little bit. Right. But I don't know. The the state of America and the world right now is disgusting. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any room to forget about anything at any point, regardless of who says we should do it. Exactly. And the funny thing is, like, when Trump became the president-elect, it gave all the racist white people an excuse to be more outwardly with the racism. So how can you tell people to forget when some white people who choose to be racist have now been given that green light to be all out with it? It's almost like they came out of the closet, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the funny thing is, um, going back to, you know, rich black uh, black Americans, what have you. Dave Chappelle made his uh, much long-awaited debut on Saturday Night Live uh, this past week, or last weekend, rather, and it was great. He opened up with a brilliant monologue. I loved every moment of it. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I loved every moment of it. And he basically was talking about rich black people who have been rich uh, during the Bush era and then into the Obama era. So he was basically saying, you know, 
uh, as a black man, you know, in a Republican government, you know, I, I finally got some money now, so they, I get to pay less in taxes. This is cool. All right, I can dig this. You know, Obama comes to the office. Uh, guys, we have to uh, share the wealth and make sure that everyone gets equal opportunity in America. And he's just like, oh, man, I just got here, man. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like one of those. They probably yeah, have that. Break. I know, right? <laughs> Shit. It, it's hilarious, though. But, like, they probably have that mentality stuck yeah. in their head because it's like, okay, I finally obtained this newfound wealth and now it's all mine all mine and then you know they get into a situation where they now have to spread the wealth depending on who's in office and what have you so i feel like kanye was probably in that bracket if that were the case but then again you know you hear like a lot of his rants that are politically charged and it's just like when did this change take place Mm -hmm. and the irony behind that is the fact that he's he plans on running for president in 2020 is that for real i don't know I don't know if it is. Cause I saw just, the meme, but I mean. <laughs> like, I know he made the announcement last summer and everything, but like, but you know what? I'm not going to say never. Because if Donald Trump I was just gonna say that. became president, <laughs> mind you, he has white privilege on his side, but nonetheless, but even still. if he became president, then anyone can. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor of California. You can no longer say stranger things have happened. Exactly. And I think that should have been, that should have been a precursor of the events to come. But hey, who knows, man? Who knows? Who knows? But nonetheless, we're going to end things on a brighter note. <laughs> uh, Miss Care, what do you have coming up uh, in the future? Any any gigs or anything like that? You know what? I'm laying pretty low right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest things that I got going on right now is uh, my business, uh, The Hook and Company. Mm-hmm. With that, we are helping artists and entertainers around the city connect to any and everybody that they need, be it grant writers, social mm-hmm. media managers, stylists, photographers, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is pretty much my biggest project right now and uh, for anybody that wants information you could visit www.thehookandco.com you can find us on all social media at the hook and co and of course i mean hey if you want me on your event or to voice a project you can find me across all social media at the real miss care that's k-e-double-r there you go, there you go. And that's care, not cur, people. Exactly. It's care, <laughs> care, like Care Bear. <laughs> you better recognize, you put some respect on it. Put some respect on that name. <laughs> Are we done or we finished? Real talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Miss Care, thank you so much for coming through. You are more than welcome to come through anytime. Yay. We will make it happen most definitely. Sounds good. I would love to come back. I had a blast. Please do. You're more than welcome to come through. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, you already know where you can find me. Y'all can hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio. Next week on the show, we have industry insider Roxy Blake. She's got to come through into the studio, and we're going to discuss a whole bunch of things like the Revolt Music Weekend and a whole bunch of other stuff in between. But nonetheless, you guys already know, you guys can hit me up on YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page at cool underscore radio. Subscribe to the SoundCloud page where you can find all full audio podcasts of the show. Once again, at cool underscore radio. And like the fan page on Facebook at cool radio CC. Now, you guys already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.